Welcome to the Back Em Down Podcast. This is your host, Coach Johnson. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the big news coming out of Oklahoma City with the decision to part ways with Billy Donovan, as well as break down Game 5 of the Heat Buck Series, as well as Game 3 of the Lakers Rocket Series. First, let's talk about the big news out of Oklahoma City. Billy Donovan and the Oklahoma City Thunder have decided to part ways. This is a agreement made by both parties in the essence that they think this is the best move for the organization moving forward as Billy Donovan seems to want to pursue something else than what is planned by Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder organization. My thought is that this may be the time that Presti has decided that they're going to go in a different direction and try to jumpstart the rebuild, maybe looking to offload Chris Paul this offseason as well as Gallinari. And Donovan may not want to be a part of the rebuild. That's his decision to make. But I hope Oklahoma City takes their time and does their due diligence of finding the right candidate coach for this team moving forward as the Thunder fan base is used to a winning product on the floor and a team that's going to compete four playoff spots as well as conference titles and hopefully once again an NBA title. There's pieces in place for the Thunder to really get things going as they look towards the future with Shea Gilgis Alexander, Darius Baisley, and Lugans Dort. They're also going to have to make a decision on if they're going to keep Steven Adams or not with how things look for traditional bigs like him, it may be smart to try to offload him and his contract. While he has been an integral part of the Thunder organization for quite some time since being traded here and part of the Harden trade after being drafted in the lottery, it may just be time to move on from him as well and start completely clean. They have a buttload of draft picks. They have a lot of assets, and they need to try to clear up some cap space to maybe bring in a star if they decide to offload some of their assets. But for the Thunder, looking for a coach, my first thoughts are going to look for a coach such as Kenny Atkinson who did such a wonderful job in Brooklyn before deciding to leave in the middle of this past season. I was always impressed by his offense and the way they played together as a team. Seemed like his guys always played hard for him and exceeded expectations for a team that didn't have a bonafide superstar. They continue to compete regardless of all situations handed to them. 
But let's also look at what Billy Donovan may decide to do after this decision being made between him and Sam Presti. My first initial thoughts is that Billy Donovan is going to look for another NBA head coaching job, whether that be in Philadelphia or possibly New Orleans. I think those are the most reasonable spots for him to land. One of them, Philadelphia, being a team that is still having pieces in place to make a title run if they can figure out their roster makeup. You know, you would run into the same situation he did when he was first hired by Oklahoma City when they possessed Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Moving to Philadelphia would give him the same look, having Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The problem for Billy Donovan in Philadelphia is that the pieces in place on the roster just don't fit what makes Billy Donovan such a great coach, especially on the offensive side of the ball where he needs shooters and multiple playmakers. That's what made this Thunder team so good this past season is because they possess those two things. But then you look at it from another point of view that he may want to take the New Orleans Pelicans job. Yes, it is a young team looking to crawl into the playoffs, but they have a bunch of young pieces in place that are looking to take that next step In the NBA, you have a guy like Brandon Ingram who is the NBA's most improved player as well as the number one overall pick from last season and Zion Williams as well as a point guard that is on the cusp of becoming one of the top ones in the league in Lonzo Ball plus the young players you have in Alexander Walker, Jackson Hayes, Josh Hart, and you have the makeup of a team, if they can figure it out defensively, that can become a force for years to come. The other option that may come up in all this is that Billy Donovan will probably be courted by a lot of the blue blood programs in college basketball. The main one that comes to mind for me is Duke, as they just don't have a set in stone successor to Coach K and Billy Donovan would be able to carry that torch after Coach K is done if that is after this upcoming season. But we could see him courted by Texas if Shaka Smart does not perform up to expectations this upcoming season. And there will be a lot of other suitors for his services if their coaches do not get the job done this upcoming season. Let's talk about Game 5 from the Milwaukee Bucks-Miami Heat series. The beginning of this game, this was Milwaukee's defense at its best as they allowed zero opportunities at the rim, and they had quick hands on the help in rotation. You know, while their rotations were not perfect, they were much more aggressive and urgent. This led to many heat turnovers, which kept Milwaukee in the game, 
but they did not fully capitalize on each of them or the outcome of this game could have been different. There was a period of time in the second quarter when the game became too fast for Milwaukee and Miami really controlled the tempo as they were able to execute in transition and in their secondary break. This was not the pace that the Bucks needed to play at as they were at their best in this game. In the first quarter, especially when they were able to grind out long offensive possessions. This allowed for them to get set defensively as well. All things considered, it was a good first half for the Bucks. The question was if they would be able to consistently get good shots in the half court in the second half. It was interesting to see Eric Spolstra play Kendrick Nunn in the favor of Duncan Robinson for much of the first half. But Miami needed a spark on offense, and they got it from the rookie. He helped Miami get things going with six points in the second quarter. The Bucks ran into a problem, into the biggest problem in this game as they were forced to play from behind, which is hard for them to do with Giannis injured and not being able to play in this game. Luckily for them, they were able to get a lot of great minutes from DiVincenzo, as well as Wethley Matthews on both sides of the floor. Where this game started to fall apart for them is their transition defense as Miami was able to get some separation on a few possessions where Tyler Hero was able to knock down a pull-up transition three as well as find Iguodala on a no-look pass underneath the basket. It was quite the effort from Milwaukee, but a disappointing end to a historic season for them. Tyler Hero becomes the first player born in the 2000s to reach the conference finals. His performance in this game showed us how good he is going to be for quite some time. One of the most fascinating developments in his game is his passing ability, which has become quite a weapon for him to go along with his scoring prowess. He is effect- he has affected the game in so many different ways, and he did such in this game as he became the first Heat player to record 14 points, 8 assists, and 6 rebounds in a playoff game. Best part about Jimmy Butler's series performance is how willing he was to defer offensively. This knocks the notion or the narrative that he needs to win on his own terms as the alpha male on the court. Jimmy Butler is now on to the conference finals for the first time in his career. I will be back shortly to wrap up the show after a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Now let's talk about Game 3 of the Lakers-Rockets series. LeBron was aggressive on offense early in his game, scoring 29 first-half points, the most first-half points since Game 6 versus Boston when he was down 3-2 as he went on to finish that game with 45 points 15, and 5. This shows how much he respects this Houston team, and it gives us an idea of how dangerous they are. The only thing I worry about now with L.A. winning this game is that LeBron may try to coast through Game 4 and secure a win. One area of the game where Houston made L.A. pay was off of their live ball turnovers. This is where Houston can kill them as they gain an advantage in transition and can get a lot of open looks from the perimeter as well as get 
into some early offense and get to the rim and not allow the Lakers defense to get set. This really allowed for them to take the lead, especially in the first half as they had 10 points off of the Lakers turnovers as the Lakers did not capitalize off of the Rockets turnovers. How this game played out is a good sign for the Lakers. LeBron dominated throughout the first half and kept L.A. within striking distance. Eventually, his supporting cast got going in the second half as AD got going in the third quarter and Rondo in the fourth quarter. As people talk about the Lakers' depth and it isn't there, I have to disagree to an extent because look at the plays made by Caruso on defense plus the big three he hit after a couple of threes hit by Rondo. This goes for Kuzma as well, who played great defense down the stretch, as well as made some timely baskets and transition as Houston tried to make it a game late. It was Markeith Morris the game before, and Rondo in this game. They have a different third option stepping up alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis on each given night. This exemplifies their depth, especially with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee becoming unplayable in this series. The Lakers' size played a huge factor in this game as they finished the game with six blocks. While the number isn't going to pop off the screen, they were constantly in the right spot to contest shots at the rim, which took away layup opportunities from a Rockets team who desperately need them. Not only defensively it played a factor, but LeBron used his size advantage to secure deep post position at times to to get easy scoring opportunities. The second half highlighted... With the Lakers' defense, which has carried them throughout the season, the rotations were crisp and tight. Some possessions they were able to force Covington to create off the dribble, which they will live with. Their ability to trap Harden and make things difficult for Houston to be at their best on offense as the ball ends up into the hands of Westbrook, who fell in love with his mid-range shot after hitting a few early in this game. And this is going to be... Offense that the Lakers are not going to have a problem with cultivating and coming to fruition if Harden is not the one beating them. And Westbrook dominates the ball and looks to score rather than get his teammates involved and empower them. But there also look to be at times that Maybe the Lakers strategize to let Harden, you know, just go off, but not send help from the shooters on the perimeter and just let him do what he wants to do. Either way, I think the Lakers have a pretty good game plan at this point to slow down the Houston attack. One thing that I said during the game that turned out to really affect the outcome of this game is how important it was for the Rockets to try to take advantage of the LeBronless minutes, especially in the second half, but they didn't, especially in the fourth quarter as L.A. was able to expand the lead from 2 to 10 points. I'd anticipate a lot more hardened ISOs in the next game compared to the pick and rolls ran by D'Antoni in game three. This will take away the Lakers' ability to double Harden off of the ball screens. Harden will be able to operate with more space 
And once he draws defenders on penetration, if he can draw the help off of the shooters on the perimeter, he'll be able to find his teammates and they will be able to open things up for them to knock down shots. But from the Lakers' side of things, one part of their doubles that needs to be corrected is the primary defender forcing Harden to the double as there were times that Harden was able to split quickly or attack in isolation because the primary defender gave him an advantage on the side opposite of where the double was coming from. D'Antoni basically went six deep in this game with McLemore and Rivers only getting 10 and 11 minutes respectively. If Robert Covington isn't able to go next game and Daniel House doesn't play again, then he's going to have to get more guys from those minutes and they may have to go to their bench even more try, trusting guys like Damari Carroll and Luke Amute. But this is a big win for a Lakers team that lost game one and people were doubting them, thinking they were on their back burner and that Houston was going to be able to take advantage of the Lakers' size and slow down Anthony Davis. But he got going in the second half as LeBron led the team in the first half. And LeBron was just incredible. We haven't seen a performance like this in quite some time from him where he's controlling things on a defensive end as well as the offensive end. And so this big win for the Lakers to go up 2-1 in the series. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Back em Down podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. If you want to become a monthly contributor or a supporter of the show, please click the link at the bottom of the show notes. Everyone enjoy their Wednesday. If you live in Oklahoma, then stay warm. If not, and you have warm weather, please enjoy it because it is very cold and windy and rainy out here in Oklahoma. Get ready for another night of basketball as we have game four of the Los Angeles Clippers versus the Denver Nuggets as Denver looks to tie it up. And then we have the Boston Celtics taking on the Toronto Raptors in game six as Celtics look to close out the series and Toronto looks to tie it back up to force a game seven. Everyone take care. Have a great Wednesday, and I hope you all come back for the next episode of the Back Em Down podcast.